Thank you, Ruth, and thank you, Paul, for uh, just allowing me to worship with you this morning. It's, it's such an honor and privilege. Um, yeah, uh, last year I was with you. Um, we had the Super Bowl. You know, this is a big thing in the United States. Yeah, and this year the Denver Broncos are not even in the Super Bowl, so I'm a little depressed. Uh, but um, we're going to see how the Patriots do. But yeah, so on behalf of China, because I work in China, I want to wish you all a happy Chinese New Year. And I brought some pictures of what happens in China right now this week. In fact, they, the first day of a Chinese New Year was yesterday. And this is what their train stations look like. Everyone goes home, um, and it's just nuts. This next one is my favorite. Uh, this, is just, uh, this is just one train station in China, but that's what they do. It's kind of like Christmas. And then you know these guys. Uh, Paul and James came with us to China. So this was uh, in 19, I mean, 19, it was in 2011. We had a great time together, and that's how we met. This is a, a, a Pastor Ding. Uh, he is the head of the Bible school in Yichang, where we were. And uh, Paul did an awesome job teaching. Uh, your, your pastor is an amazing teacher. He gets a little bit excited. You know, sometimes I feel like he's a little boring. Uh, but, you know, he got there. He was there teaching in this Bible school. And I tell you, he brought the house down over there. So that was really cool. But um, I want to tell you about this Reverend Lowe. This is a brother in, uh, in the inside of uh, Guizhou province. Some of you that don't know China, it doesn't mean anything to you. But it's way in the interior. Guizhou province has a lot of minority groups, and this brother uh, is a person that went to Citron Seminary when my father taught there over 25 years ago. Now he's a leader of his church. Not only is he a pastor of this church, he also teaches in that Bible school. They have a Bible school there, and go back one more time real quick if you could, uh, and he does this. This is a, the e-people group's language. So he translates from Chinese the Bible into the e-language, and this is just one of many languages that are now being translated in China today. So it's amazing what God is doing, and this brother that my dad poured into, who is now a leader, is doing this for all of China and for the people in his province. So I praise God for that, and we have the privilege of partnering with him. This is another church. This church is where my grandfather, when he was a missionary, um, ministered in this particular village. And at that time, they had a very small church. This church was built two years ago. And the leader of that church invited us, China Partner, to come, not only to preach there, but to also teach their uh, Christian leaders. They have now a Bible training center in this church, and uh, every two or three months, they will invite their lay pastors to come to this church, and we had the privilege of teaching there. So the next picture will show uh, what that looks like. I have a, a privilege always of sharing uh, just practical information to these leaders. My sister is now working part-time with us as well, and so she comes with. The next picture shows a little bit more of how many people. These are all, these are not just church attenders. These are all leaders. These are leaders of their community that come and to be equipped, and we have the honor and privilege to equipping them. 2 Timothy 2.2 is our theme verse in China Partner. What, what, I, what you have received from me, teach others so that they will be able to equip others, and that's what we're about. 
And then the final picture is just a little bit of what our heartbeat is in China Partner. This is a bunch of young kids. Uh, we believe in the next generation of China. You know that today, teenagers in China uh, is an alarming rate of how many of them actually attempt suicide. They say, we had a, um, a study with another organization in China that we partner with, and they were saying that up to 35% of teenagers under the age of 20 actually attempt suicide. It's a, it's a, a tremendous uh, problem that they have in China, and we don't even know why they're so depressed. We have an idea, because many of the young people over there are pressured into performance. They have the one-child policy over there. By the way, that was put away, thank God. But many of these young teenagers have, they, they are doted on by mom and dad, by grandpa and grandpa, grandma and grandpa, and, and they live vicariously, you know, for that family. What is expected of every child is when they grow up to take care of the parents. So can you imagine as a teenager, if you don't get good grades, if you don't get um, an, an entrance into a good university where you can then eventually down the road provide for your parents as all this pressure is pent up. And then on top of that comes the pressure of, of becoming wealthy and, and famous and all the, the things that the world is offering. That is what's pressuring the young people. So our heart goes out to these young people. I love this picture. We just took this picture of a bunch of girls. We were at this uh, um, a tourist spot and it just kind of encapsulates what China's future looks like. These young people are eager to learn, they're eager to know. Many of them have been told there is no God, and we have the privilege of equipping pastors and the next generation that there is a God, and not only is there a God that exists, but there's a God that loves them. And so that is what we're about. We've actually started a ministry now to meet this need of young people called Youth Serve. Uh, our whole theme of China Partner is to serve the church in China, so we just thought it would be a great name to just serving the youth. So Youth Serve is our youth ministry training ministry that we now are conducting in China, and it's just a privilege to be a part of that. And Paul, thank you for coming. It was a great time to meet you, and as a result of that, I'm here. So, and I have been back for, I don't know, four times now? Good. Yeah, and you keep inviting me back, so this is okay then. <laughs> Well, I want to um, touch on, on, a, on an awesome subject this morning, uh, and that is the subject of love. You know, you've been uh, teaching and you've been taught on the new, the, the theme of new. We just had a new year. China just is celebrating this week the Chinese New Year. So this whole idea of new is, is an awesome kind of a subject, and um, as I was reflecting on the new, I thought of this new commandment. And the new commandment we find, and I want to have you open up in John uh, chapter uh, 13, John chapter 13, uh, starting in 34, and I'm going to read these few verses, but before we do that, I'm going to just invite the Holy Spirit now to come. He's already here. And I'm just going to pray with you and for me and for you that these words that are coming out of my mouth would just not be my words, but would be his words. Father, thank you. We worship you this morning. We thank you for what you're doing here in Kirikiri, in New Zealand, in North Island, the South Island. We thank you what you're doing in China, what you're doing around the world. We are yours. So this morning, I pray in your name that my words would be your words 
that my message would be your message and that you would just anoint what you have to say through me this morning. I'm your servant. I'm nothing more than that. I'm just your voice piece. So I pray that you would use whatever you've put on my heart to share with these dear people. May you be glorified this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read this passage together. Um, I have it up for you. A new commandment we're talking about. It says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So here's a commandment that Jesus is giving to his disciples. This is the context here. And he's commanding them to love one another. Interesting that he's saying to love each other. He's not even talking yet about loving others. He's talking about loving each other. These are disciples. They have been with Jesus for almost three years. This is right before, by the way, he's being crucified. And he's saying to them, love one another. Why is he saying that? The answer to that question is found in the next verse. So that they will know that you are my disciples. There is always a purpose. When Jesus makes a command, there is a reason why he's commanding that. This is a, a verse that actually relates to evangelism. You know, you want to have people come to your church, you want to have people come to faith in Jesus, love one another. That is the key to evangelism. That is the key how people will be attracted to him because they see you loving one another. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying here. So this is a new commandment he's giving to them. By the way, this is, uh, 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 when I was reading this and studying this verse, it reminded me of another uh, chapter, uh, another passage in Scripture, and that's found in Matthew. And if we can read that together, uh, this is also Jesus speaking. However, this time, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders of their time, the Pharisees. And uh, we have it up here. One of these leaders, an expert of the law, tested Jesus with this question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? You know, by the way, the, the Pharisees were amazing scripture memory people. I mean, they knew the word, the Torah, at that time was the Bible, like from cover to cover. They knew everything about it. They knew about all the laws. And so they're tricking Jesus, saying, which one of all these things is the greatest commandment? And this is what Jesus answers. I love this. He says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then this is the first and greatest commandment he's saying. But then the second one is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, I want to dis dissect this with you a little bit because, you know, we, we can miss these things. You know, the, the Word of God is powerful. And it's so deep and so rich. I mean, you could just spend like, you know, this morning, uh, 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 Paul and I were driving over here, and we are just like discussing one verse, and then all of a sudden he just parked the car, and he, we started talking about this verse. It was just so exciting. I thought, you know, we better get over to Excite Church. You know, they're waiting for us. But, you know, all of a sudden, we were just into this, this, this incredible discussion about one verse, one sentence that got us so pumped up. That, that's what the Word of God does. And here, I don't, want to, I don't want you to miss this, because when God says the greatest commandment is 
to love God, but then he also describes how we are to love God. It's not just to love God. How does he say that we are to love God? First of all, with all of our heart. With all of our heart. Love God with all your heart. I, I did some study, and um, I, I looked up the word heart. Very interesting. The original language, the Greek language here says cardia. That's where we get the word cardiologist. You know, a surgeon that, that operates on your heart is a cardiologist. Um, that's where we get cardia from. That's the meaning of heart. But now listen to the description of what that means in the Greek. It is the center and seat of spiritual life. Do you hear that? In, in their language, it's not just the heart that's pumping blood. It's the center of spiritual life. That's why Jesus is saying, love your God with all your heart. It's not just so that your heart is beating for him, and although we say that, and there's nothing wrong with that. We get excited about when your heart is beating for something. But he's saying, love God with everything inside you. It's, it's all of you. It's your spiritual center. And by the way, it goes on. It says, it's the seat of spiritual life as it is the fountain and seat of thoughts, of passions, of desires, appetites, affections, and purposes. That's why Jesus is commanding them to love God with all your heart. It's your spiritual center. That's how you are to love him. But he doesn't stop there. He says, love him with all your soul. I've always wondered about the word soul. Um, we have in the States a soul music, um, usually blacks that really get into it. They're amazing musicians and, and uh, artists. Uh, so we actually have a whole genre that's called soul music. But what is the soul? And I looked that up. And that was a very interesting study, and I realized, again, why Jesus is talking about loving God with all your soul. That is the seed of your feelings and desires and affections. Very similar to your heart, but in, in, in different than our physical flesh or our, our heart that beats when we die, it stops beating, right? The soul continues living. So here, all of a sudden, he's talking again about another spiritual truth. We are to love God with all of our soul, with that very true inner self that makes us us. You know, when we look at somebody, uh, we, we see their face, we see their outfit, we see their body. But really, to get to know the person, you really, uh, and, and to kind of find out who they are, you have to go deeper than that. It's how God created you being you. That is part of your soul. That is what actually lives on. That's why it's so exciting and so important for us to be church together and to let other people know about Christ because they live on. This is not just a thing that we live on for here and then we die and everything is fine. We don't know what's happening in the future. No, you continue living. You have eternal life. Now, we want eternal life with Jesus to be with him for eternity, but all human beings are created with souls. Animals are not created with souls, by the way. There's a big difference between animals and humans. But here he is referring to the soul, that that continues to live and never dies. 
And that's why we want to share the good news with people so that they can also have that relationship with him forever. And then he continues and ends, love your God with all your mind. This is the part of understanding or your thoughts. You know how you've heard about people that, uh, you know, I can't stop thinking about you. It's usually when you're in love with somebody or, you know, I don't know how many of you are dating anybody right now. Any young people dating anybody? Um, you know, you get these cards, and it says, oh, I thought about you today. Can't stop thinking about you. Isn't that interesting that here Jesus is comparing our mind, our thoughts relating to love. When you love somebody, you think about that person. You actually care because you're thinking about that person. Love your God with your mind. You think about him. And you, if you want to love God more, think about him. Think upon him. And the way you think about him is you actually read about him. And that's why we read Bibles. And that's why we have Bible studies. It's not just a religious thing to do. It's actually a spiritual re relationship that we're showing to God. Is, is if, if we want to get to know God, who he really is, we want to read his book. He has revealed himself through this. So many of, uh, I, I know when, when I was young, and I know when I talk with young people, they always say, oh, I want to know God's will for my life. <clears throat> I want to know what he, what he wants for me. You want to know God's will for your life? Right here. Pick this up. <clears throat> Read it. Start studying it. He has revealed his will right through his words. And so many of us always want to know exactly what is he going to want us to do? What does he want us to buy? What is he, who does he want us to marry? You know, it's all about us always. It's about me. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You know, get to know me, and then you will find out what my will is for your life. Love your God with everything, your heart, your soul, your mind. Um. So love, what does love actually then look like? Um, and, and I think the problem with love is that it's one word. It's self. The problem with love is self or selfishness. Uh, if you've ever, you know, done some reflecting on this, I, I've done that. Uh, like, why, why are so all of us wanting to be loved? We all look for love, don't we? And the reason why is because God created us in his image. Part of who God is, by the way, is love. So therefore, because you have been created in his image, you are an individual, you are a human being that desires to love and also to be loved. Satan comes in and twists that around and says, well, you need to find love. So we all go around and looking for love, and we never find it, or very seldom. And the reason being, and I thought about this, is because of selfishness. Nobody wants to give love. We're all looking for it. We all want it. But are you willing to give it? It's like looking for a friend. I remember when I have two daughters, and they're now both married out of the house. Um, God bless them. I have two sons now. <laughs> um, actually, I have a guest right here that came all the way from two and a half hours or an hour and a half drive. She was my daughter's best friend in Adelaide when they were studying together, and she brought her husband. So, Maria, it's awesome that you're here. 
Uh, I want you all to meet this awesome couple. They came just to, to come here this morning to hear me. Um, but I am so grateful for Maria because she poured it to my daughter. There was another friend of hers that also poured it to my daughter. They were good friends. And what I see here is we all want friends, don't we? We want relationships so badly. That's why Facebook is blowing up ever since it was created. <laughs> you know, we all compare. How many friends do you have on Facebook? And, you know, make sure that nobody unfriends you. Then, you know, you're really in trouble. But we look for friendship. And I remember my daughter, Brianna, and I remember one time she came home. She was young um, still, and she said, Daddy, I don't have any friends. And she was really depressed. And I said, oh, honey, um, who are you being a friend to? Who are you being a friend to? You see, we always look for self. We want a friend. We want love, but we're not very willing to give it. And what God does through only his mercy and through his grace, he allows us to love others. He said, love others. So the problem of love is selfishness. What is the solution then? Well, I think it is about others. It's not about me. It's about others. I asked some friends of mine uh, I have high regards for. Some of them are pastors. One is a, a seminary professor. And I asked them, I asked them this question, what is love? Um, and, and I have these quotes up here uh, for you to read with me. The first one said this, love is thinking, feeling, acting, excuse me, I skipped the one. Love is my investment in others to help them be and experience all that God has for them. Notice the word others in there. Now, I didn't, I didn't tell him to make sure that he put the word others in it. That was just what he came up with when I asked him, what do you, how do you describe love? And he said, love is my investment in others. I love that. He's a pastor of a very large church in South Florida. Another pastor said this, love is thinking, feeling, acting, and living beyond ourselves with self-sacrificial focus on Christ and others as a grateful response of Christ's sacrificial focus on us. Again, the key word is others. So you are self-sacrificing yourself for others. That is love. The next one, very similar. It's a little bit longer, but the, the key word there is, again, others. Love is unconditional, and unconditional love requires compassion. Compassion is seen when I look at a person or others who has made a horrible, self-destructive, irresponsible, narcissistic, and stupid decisions that have been the catalyst of their current situation and choose anyways to help them or to choose them anyways. You see, it's a decision that we make. It's about others. Even when they mess up, even when they hurt you, that is the love that God is talking about. And that can only happen if Christ uh, gives that ability to love that way. By the way, love in Scripture is the word agape. And I'm, I'm sure some of you have already heard studies about this. Uh, there's, in the Greek term, there's three different kinds of loves. But the love that we're talking about here this morning is all agape. 
that is the perfect love. That is the love that God gives. That's who He is. That's how He has revealed Himself to us, is this agape love. So we now have seen the problem being selfishness. The solution is to look at others. But let's look at what, the, what love really um, can be described as. And, and this is a, very, excuse me, a favorite passage, and that's found in 1 Corinthians. And if we can, yeah, it's already up there. And it's a very famous uh, passage. We, we've all read it. You hear them at weddings. By the way, this was the verse that my wife read to me at the altar. Uh, it was very moving when she was looking in my eyes and actually reading this passage. And what she was basically trying to say and communicate to me is, this is how I want to love you. And I know I can't do this in and of myself, she was saying, but through God's grace and through his enabling me, um, I want to love you this way. And let's read it together because this is powerful. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. I love that. It rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And at the end, he wraps it all up in the last verse in chapter 13. He says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But here's the kicker. The greatest of them all is love, agape, love. And so as I was reading this again, I, you know, again, you know, there's so much information. I mean, you could literally preach on each aspect and attribute of love here this morning. I don't want to do that, but I just want to highlight a few things about what God is actually teaching us this morning and what Paul is teaching. The context here, he's, he's writing this letter to the Corinthian church, and they had a problem with love. Uh, in fact, there was a lot of perversion of love in that particular part of the world at the time. Uh, the church that was growing there, now Paul had, uh, had birthed, um, needed a, a biblical perspective of what true love actually looks like. It's very similar to our society today. Like we said earlier, everybody's looking for love, but they all have a different de- interpretation of love. They all have a different definition of love. And so we're all confused because nobody really knows what love is. We all want it. We desire it. But what is it? What does it look like? Well, the Bible is very clear. It shows it right here. And, and Paul here, notice... He, he, the, the first two qualities that he mentions in this, in this passage are what love is, and then he switches and tells us what love is not. Sometimes we, it, it's hard for us to remember things. So then Paul says, okay, I'm going to tell you what it's not. Maybe you'll remember it better that way. But he starts out by saying love is patient. Now, patience is an interesting thing. <laughs> Um, I'm not a very patient person. I'm German. Um, that's where I was born and raised. Uh, all Germans are impatient. They're always punctual. Uh, there are very few Germans that are late. Right, Annette? Yeah. Uh, we, have a, we have a term between each other. We say, you know, Germans are kleinkariert. Uh, that's a term that we use for, you know, they're very exact. They're kind of, you know, everything has to fit in the perfect box. You know, everything starts on time. It ends on time. And, you know, if it doesn't function properly, uh, we say it's geht nicht. 
uh, you know, it's one of the favorite thing they say is Gatenischt. It means it doesn't work. Uh, why doesn't it work? I don't know, but it just doesn't work. Uh, but, but, but patience is not something that innately um, I, have, I have mastered. It, it's been years, um, and I'm still working on it. But love is patient. Another translation, by the way, says law, uh, it's, it's, uh, to be patient is to be long-suffering. I said, ugh, really? I, I have to suffer? That's, that's what love is? Yeah. It, patience is long-suffering. It is the capacity to endure what is difficult or disagreeable without complaining. There's a key word, without complaining. I don't do that very well. Every time I come to, like, a, a, a stop sign or not actually, actually the intersection, they have, like, um, a signal, you know, a... a a light, uh, it always turns red right before I get there. I mean, you know, everybody's going through, and then when I come to the intersection, whoop, turns red. Like, why? Just let me go through as well. So I'm sitting there, and I'm brooding, and my wife just touches me softly and says, honey, patience. It's okay. You're missing one minute. It's not that bad. But, you know, we, we want to get there on time, right? We think we're going to be late just because this one red light. That's, that's what, what love is not. She's worshiping. It's all good. <clears throat> I love this family church. <laughs> the next thing that he mentions is, is love is kind. What does kindness look like? Well, it's basically giving to the needs and, and, and the happiness of others. Key word again, others. So you think about somebody else and you're kind to that person. That's what true love is about. Agape is always about Giving to somebody else is to be kind to somebody else. That is true love. Now, let's look real quickly at some of the, the don'ts, what love is not. It is not envy. It does not envy. Uh, envying is, is to want something that you don't have. Uh, that's why we have the Ten Commandments, don't covet. It's interesting that God knew that right from the beginning. He said, okay, I created man, but uh, since the fall, uh, I know they're going to have a problem with coveting. They're always going to want what they don't have. And envy is similar to that. It's something that you want so desperately that, but you can't have, and so you envy. You become jealous. But that's not love. I know sometimes uh, there is a holy jealousness. We even call, consider God being a jealous God. But that is different. But you, we get jealous of somebody else's love or when uh, somebody has more friends than we do. That, that is just human nature. And here, it's describing the fact that, no, if you have love for that person, you will not be jealous. You will not be envious. Another description is it that love doesn't boast. It does not brag. In fact, love, true love, doesn't have to brag. It just loves. It is not proud. Having too high of an opinion of yourself. It does not dishonor others. It honors people, but it does not dishonor them. It is not self-seeking. And interesting, again, that, that selfishness is coming right back into the theme of, of love. Uh, it, you know, when you are self-seeking, you're not very humble, right? I, I remember hearing somebody describe humility this way. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of you less. See the difference? Humility is not thinking of you less, in other words, to demean yourself, to think of you as lower, 
but to think of yourself less. Isn't that brilliant? C.S. Lewis wrote that, and he was a pretty smart guy. But that is another description of humility that really relates to what here he is describing that love is not. Love is not self-seeking. It's not about self. It's about others. It's not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrong. I love this. I don't know about you, but, um, you know, we, we keep records, don't we, in our relationships. And uh, I think there's even been books written about this, you know, the love bank. So, you know, if you deposit in um, enough, then, you know, if, you, if sometimes uh, you, you, things get taken out of your love bank, then you just have to make sure you have enough in there so that you stay above the zero mark, you know. And that's how we think of love sometimes. We think of that as a as something that we have to put in. Um, love does not keep records. It, when we wrong each other and we forgive each other, true love just says, it's okay. I love you anyways. And that's what God says to us. I love you anyways. You can be totally messed up, but I love you. That is the love that he's describing here. And then very quickly, he wraps up at the end of this, uh, this, this beautiful passage, and he describes what love is again, and, and this is so powerful, and I want you to miss this. It says, and love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never, faith, uh, never fails. Uh, what, what that says to me is basically true love is faithful, and that's again a description of who God is. God is faithful. He cannot be un faithful. And it's, it's a reflection of who he really is. And that is a description, a biblical description of what love is. And that's what I want to challenge you with this morning. Um, you know, and some of you might be here this morning that have never really even entered into a love relationship with God, uh, with Jesus Christ in a personal relationship. Um, you've come here maybe for months, um, but you've never really understood what it means to surrender yourself to this God, the, the, the Most High God, Jehovah. And His love for you is so great, He invites you to accept that free gift. You know, another aspect of love is giving. And this we see in John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, God so loved the world, everyone in the world, that He gave His one and only Son. But you know what? When somebody gives you a gift... When does it become yours? When you receive it, right? When you take it. It would be kind of frustrating if we give a Christmas gift to our kids and they would just let it sit there under the Christmas tree and they would never open it. It's like, come on, open it already. You know, I thought about this gift. I wrapped it. I did everything for you. Open it up. Oh, no, it's okay. But thank you, Dad, that you love me. I'm not going to open that gift. You see, it doesn't make any sense. But sometimes we treat God that way. He has given his free gift through his son to us. Are you willing to receive him? Are you willing to receive him? And that is true love. I don't want to just uh, leave with this. I, I always think of when I preach or when I share from the word, I, I always ask this question at the end to say, so what? So what? You know, good, good points, not bad. Could have been better, better probably maybe different in a German language or in a Chinese language. Does, I don't know. But so what? And the so what that I want to ask you is, so what? 
So I just have told you about love, some of the principles from Scripture about love. So what are you going to do about it? Let me give you a couple of practical applications that I, I believe that will change you. Number one, uh, read this passage that we had up here earlier uh, from 1 Corinthians 13. I challenge you to read it three times this week. You see, when you read something, you start remembering it more clearly. And as you remember more, it changes you from the inside out because the Holy Spirit is pressing on you something, the principles of from His Word. And I want you to do that. So this week, tell yourself, okay, I'm going to read chapter 13 three times. It takes you five minutes one time to read it. Not that much time, but I want you to read it. I want you to meditate on it. I want you to do a little bit of what I did this morning with you to reflect on these principles of true love. Amen. And then, secondly, I want you to think of one person that you will love differently this week. Could be a spouse, could be a sibling. You know, brother and sister love, that's, that's pretty crazy sometimes. I mean, you sometimes can be really close, and sometimes you can just, you're just about ready to kill that person. That's not love. So practice that on your sister, on your brother, on your spouse. That's another hard one. On your girlfriend, boyfriend, maybe a person at your job. Uh, maybe a teacher, maybe a classmate, but decide to love that person differently because of what you heard this morning. Remember to seek the highest good of another. You know that C.S. Lewis said that love to him is to seek the highest good of another. Uh, it's, it's to be concerned about the other person so much that you want them to succeed. You want them to be good. You want them to be better. That is true love. So think of that person that you're going to choose this week uh, more than yourself. And then thirdly, this is a challenge to young people of you. Some of you are not married yet. I challenge you to sit down with like an older person, maybe an older couple, maybe somebody that's been married 20, 30 years. Um, could be your grandparents. Could be your parents. But sit down with them this week and then just ask them, what... What makes you stick together? Why are you still married? You know, let's, let's uh, ask some good questions. I mean, so many of us struggle with marriages, and marriages are breaking up all over the world, including the family of God, which is sad. But before you get married, ask somebody. Just find out. What, what, did, they, what did they experience? Why are they still together? What are the, some of the principles? You'd be amazed. And by the way, for those of us who are older, we love to share with you. Uh, that, that's the great thing about growing older. You have an experience. It's something that you don't have yet. And so I, in I encourage you just to ask somebody older to, to find out what does it mean for them to love, to truly love, to be unconditional uh, with one another. And so with these three challenges, I want to close this morning. Father, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are a God of love that you loved us so much that you gave your son Jesus. Lord, we, we could have never come to you without the bridge called Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross allowed us to have complete and utter access to you. And Father, you love us. You desire for us to have relationship with you. And so I pray this morning that if there's somebody here that has never really stepped out in faith and said, Lord, I don't understand all about you, but I don't have to understand everything about you. 
All I know is I believe in you. Father, may they know that by believing on you and on your son Jesus, they will have that relationship. Thank you for your love this morning. Thank you that you have made us different because of who you are. And so I pray for this church. I pray for the leadership here. I pray for every person that's come. Father, that we would continue to worship you and just have a little bit better understanding of who you really are and what is true love. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.